All right, why? Why water baptism? All right, we're in a why series. Well, water baptism is an ordinance of the church. That means it is one of the sacred, or what's my favorite word, Pat? <laughs> Sacerdotal. Sacerdotals are a cookie. Don't tell him. Right? <laughs> These are sacred duties. There are a couple of things that the Lord instructed us to do. One of those is to preach the gospel in the, all, all the world and baptize people, right? Water baptize people. The other is what Martha spoke of last, last week, uh, the communion table, do this in remembrance of me. Those are the two sacred duties of the church uh, from our perspective, all right? Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So where, where did water baptism come from? What are the origins? Okay. The first inference of water baptism was under Noah, and it was a universal event, right? Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water, through water, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Now, listen, I, I want to clarify something with this because we bump into this a lot. Now saves you. Water baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. Okay, The word that is used here is the word sozo. Sozo. It means to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to do well, and to make whole. It's part of the ongoing act of continual salvation that begins the moment you receive full salvation in Jesus Christ. Listen, we need to be continually saved again and again and again from circumstance, from situation, from mindsets, from all kinds of things that happen to us, right? That's what he's referring to here. So baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone to heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Isn't that good news? Everything is under his control. So under Moses, it was a national event. In 1 Corinthians 10, uh, Paul is speaking, he says, For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers, you know, he's speaking to the Jews, our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses. So when God parted the Red Sea, that was a baptismal function. They passed through the sea. They were in bondage on this side. Their enemies were pursuing them. They passed through the sea. They come out in liberty, freedom, and their enemy could no longer access their lives. Right? That is a pure picture of what happens in baptism. You get on the old man, 
right? And all kinds of stuff going on. You rise up in newness of life in Christ, and your life is no longer yours. You're alive in Christ, and the life that you live, you live in Christ, okay? So that was a national picture for the uh, nation of Israel. In the New Testament, it's an individual decision. Matthew 3.13, then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John, John the Baptist, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you, do you come to me? But Jesus answered, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We find Jesus continuing the practice of water baptism in his own ministry in John 4. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize only his disciples. Then, of course, the early church continued the practice in Acts 10. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. So there is a history of the origins and the use of water baptism through the ages, and we practice, just as the book of Acts does, baptizing in water in the name of Jesus Christ. So there are two important components when considering water baptism. which must be clearly understood to avoid error. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of a lot of versions of what baptism looks like or should be uh, ministered. Um, but we we choose a certain method, and there are actually three methods used in the church today. There's sprinkling, uh, there's pouring, and there's immersion. Sprinkling is usually done on infants. Uh, pouring is often done on infants; can be done on adults also. Immersion is usually um, at least at the age of reason. The person being immersed has to fully understand by reason what they are submitting to. It is a clear statement uh, of their own choice to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what does the scripture say and how important is the difference? Acts 2.37 and 38, this is the day of Pentecost. Uh, Peter has just finished preaching Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected, and uh, the 3,000 people listening to this, and now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the word here in the Greek for be baptized 
is the Greek word baptizo, baptizo, and it's in Strong's. It is uh, Strong's number 0907 in the Greek lexicon. It is a derivative of the word bapto, baptizo, bapto. It means to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge as of a vessel that is sunk, all right, that's how extensive it is, to cleanse by dipping and submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself, to bathe, to overwhelm, to overwhelm. That's the best part of it. Now, baptizo, not to be confused with bapto, uh, the clearest example of these two words that shows the meaning of baptizo is a text from the Greek poet and physician Nicander, who lived about 200 BC. And uh, it's a recipe for making pickles, which is what physicians did in 200 BC. They made pickles. They didn't heal anyone, they just made pickles, okay? I always wondered why a physician was making pickles. Anyways, but it's helpful because it uses both words, baptizo and bapto, okay? Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, now pay attention, ladies, the vegetable should first be dipped, that is bapto, bapto, into boiling water, all right, so what do we call that today? Blanching? Blanching, all right? So that's bapto, blanch. It goes, right, in and out, okay? And then baptizo in the vinegar solution. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution, but the first is temporary. The second, the act of baptizo, baptizing the vegetable, produces a permanent change. So you've got a cucumber, you blanch it, it's still a yucky cucumber, right? And then you put it into the solution and you leave it there and it's no longer a cucumber, it's a pickle, right? It has been transformed into something new. Baptizo. Okay? So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about baptism. When used in the New Testament, now this is important, I want you to listen to this. When used in the New Testament, this word more often refers to our union and identification with Christ than it does to our water baptism. All right, should I say that again? Okay. When used in the New Testament, baptizo, this word more often refers to our union and identification with Christ than it does to our water baptism. And we're going to get into that a little bit in a minute. He that believes in is baptized shall be saved. Christ is saying that mere intellectual assent is not enough. There must be a union with him, a real change like the cucumber to a pickle. Okay? So it isn't about going into the water. It's about what's going on in here. So I want to make a point that I feel is very important in understanding how deep the symbolism of water baptism goes in demonstrating the life-transforming power of the resurrection on our lives. When the Bible was translated into the English language, the word baptizo 
translated to immerse, right? Baptizo, immerse, okay? So maybe a verse would read in Acts, and be immersed, every one of you. Be immersed. It wouldn't say be baptized, okay? Now, this was a problem, a major problem, to the Church of England, who was translating the Latin and the Hebrew into English, all right? So they come across this word baptizo, and it means immerse. All of a sudden, they're stuck. They can't move forward. Why? Because they did not immerse as their baptism method. They poured. They poured water on people's heads. So all of a sudden, they're in a pickle, <laughs> right? Because they're not doing what they just deciphered the scripture said they should be doing. No problem, easy enough to resolve. They just create a new word. So they take the word baptizo, which means immerse, and they turn baptizo into baptize. There was no word baptize up to that moment in time, and they gave it a meaning. This has its intended meaning as a sacrament of initiation into the church using the element of water. So they created a whole new word to justify what they were doing that's contrary to what they discerned the scripture was saying to do. Now, wouldn't you think they'd just change their method? Do we ever do it the easy way? Nah. Okay. So when we see the word baptize, we automatically associate it to water baptism, but it is not an initiation into anything. Baptism is not an initiation into anything. It's an identification. Remember what I read earlier? It's an identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's all about relationship with him. Not an organization. Not a denomination. Not a church. It's him. The church did not die for you. The church was not buried for you. The church did not raise on the third day for you. Jesus Christ did. Now let's see what that does to our theological thinking just in regards to that verse in Acts 2.38. And uh, when I attended Bible college with the Assemblies of God, this is what we were taught was the answer to the question, what must we do? And put in simple terms, we were told, repent for your sins, be water baptized, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. That's the answer to, to the question. This is what they said, Peter said to, in response to that. Repent from your sins, be water baptized, and you receive the Holy Spirit. So, you see it on the screen, right? It's not what the scripture says or implies. Nowhere does it say repent from your sin. It says, repent. Repent. What's that mean? It simply says, change direction. Change your focus. Have a change of mind, a change of heart. In other words, turn away from yourself. Right? And be baptized. Does anyone see the word water there? Okay. You shouldn't see the word baptized there. 
you should see the word immersed, right? So now we can say, turn away from yourself and be immersed, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's a little bit different, isn't it? Immerse yourself in the name of who died for your sin. Jesus Christ. Turn away from yourself and immerse yourself in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we can see that the full understanding of water baptism must be based solely on the idea of baptizo. Baptizo, that is full immersion, both in water and into Jesus. So let's look at a couple of quick examples. Mark 1, 9 and 10, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, was immersed by John in the Jordan, and when he came up out of the water, up out of the water, that means he had to be down under the water to come up out of the water, right? Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, wouldn't you like to see that coming up out of the water, right? How about Acts 8.38? He commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he immersed him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Philip literally disappeared from his view was found in a city 200 miles away, right? God just transported him instantly, bam. So cool things can happen at water baptisms. So the second important component in water baptism is the formula. The formula are the words that are pronounced as you are immersed, which if you're being fully immersed, you never hear. So who hears them? Who else? Powers, principalities, kingdom of heaven. Find that the first issue that the Apostle Paul had to deal with in the Corinthian church was this issue of formula. 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So there was a this whole disunity in the Corinthian church about people boasting as who baptized them. 
And they were framing it in words like, well, I'm of Paul's baptism, or I'm of Apollos' baptism, or well, I was baptized in Christ. See, this division arose. See, the formula, the formula is important. So what is the formula? Uh, and most of us would quote this in Matthew 28, 19. Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But if you look closely at this scripture in context, it is not a formula at all. It is a command or a commission. As a matter of fact, these scriptures are called the Great Commission. Right? Once again, there is no mention of water. It says, immerse them in the name of. In the name of. Now, this is Jesus speaking, so this is full authority, right? Here's an example. Jesus says this, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Right? In my name they shall cast out devils. So think about that. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be an exorcist. I'm going to cast out devils in his name. Right? So in my name, I got it. I got it now. In my name, they ca they'll cast out devils in my name. So I'm going around, you know, I'm going to Walmart, and this weirdo manifested demon, and I say, oh, here's my chance, right? Now, what do you say? In my name, they cast out devils. So I walk up to him, and I say, in my name, I cast you out. How do you think that's going to go? Why? Why won't, won't, why won't that work? Because I'm just repeating the command. I'm not fulfilling it. You see, it's the same thing with the Great Commission, right? Immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So people do that. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And no name is ever mentioned. They don't baptize in any name at all. They just repeat the command as the formula. It's not enough to repeat the command. You must do what the command instructs you to do. Now notice that in the commission, it is name that is singular and not names plural. It's one God, right? One God. So what is the name of the Father? John 5.43, this is Jesus speaking. I have come in my Father's and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. All right? So what's the name of the Father? It's Jesus. I've come in my Father's name. My name is his name. Right? Jesus is essentially a junior. Help you with the understanding anyways. Now, what about the Holy Spirit? John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. This is Jesus speaking again. The Holy Spirit who will come in my name. So what's his name? Jesus, right? So the Father's name is the Son's name. The Son's name is Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes in the name of the Son whose name is Jesus. So there is no other name given, right, unto men, by which you must be saved, right? And again, that word is sozo. It's sozo, okay? 
So let's take a look at the Great Commission as recorded in Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is immersed, baptized, immersed, will be saved. And, and again, that is sozo. That is the ongoing uh, act of salvation. This is a next step. Even within New Testament theology, water baptism is a logical next step. It's part of the ongoing work of sozo in your life. Okay? But whoever does not uh, believe will be condemned, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In my name. They will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them, and they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover in my name. Okay. Acts 2.21, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's the name of the Lord? Jesus, right? Acts 4.11. This Jesus is the stone that re was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation. Salvation. All of a sudden, we're in a different word. Right? The word here is uh, soteria. Soteria. It means to rescue to safety, salvation. The root word, sotari, means deliverer or savior, God or Christ. So this is the actual act of salvation attached to the name. This Jesus, who is the stone, the foundation stone of the work of God's salvation among men. So here it's just clear as can be stated, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved, sozoed. See, he's got it all. It's all in Jesus. So how do we apply this to water baptism? Let's look at the early church and see what they did. Acts 10.44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among them, among the circumcised who, circumcised who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for immersing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So what Peter sees is these people are progressing very rapidly in the steps of sozo. They have received the gospel message. They've heard the message of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit descends on them while Peter is declaring the gospel. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. They've, they've already taken step number three, and Peter says, whoa, you know, God's at work. Let's catch up, fill in the gap. Let's get step number two in place. Right? Can anyone forbid that from happening? Absolutely not. Okay? And he commanded them to be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ. To be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ. That's twofold. There's two ways that happens. You are baptized 
into his name in water. And as you're under the water, the baptizer says, because of your good testimony of faith today, I baptize you now bloop, 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 in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And up you come. Right? Oh, you get to hear the bloop, bloop, bloop. So what is water baptism symbolic of? Romans 6, 3 through 5 says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So essentially, this is a funeral. This is your funeral. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism, by immersion into death. When you go down under that water, From heaven's point of view, you are in the tomb. You are in the grave. Your life ends at that moment. We were buried, therefore, with him by immersion into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. How does that happen? Simply by coming up out of the water, as Jesus did, as the eunuch did. Something happens in the spirit realm as you are immersed in that watery tomb and the name of Jesus Christ is spoken over your life that's ending and producing the new life that is beginning. And as you come up, you come up into that. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's good. That's really good. Galatians 3.26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were immersed into Christ have put on Christ. Paul says, I no longer live. The life I now live, I live through the life of Christ. He's clothed, immersed. He's gone from being a cucumber to being a holy sacerdotal pickle. So what are the requirements? Mark 16, 16 says, simply believe. All who believe, right? Acts 2.38 says, repent. Turn away from your self-centered life. Turn to Christ. Immerse yourself in him. Acts 2.41, receive his word. Those three things. Believe, repent, and receive his word. Finally, I like to throw this in. Expect a miracle. Expect a miracle. Acts 8.36, when they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being immersed Philip said, if you believe, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There it is. He didn't pray a Billy Graham salvation prayer. He just said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Simple as that. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water Philip and the eunuch, and he immersed him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, 
and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So as they finished the task of the death, burial, and resurrection of this Ethiopian eunuch who had found Christ, the Holy Spirit came and snatched Philip away. You ever wonder why? Because Philip was willing to sacrifice something to go to this one. Philip was an evangelist. He had started a massive revival. Thousands were getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. The apostles came in. There was all kinds of ministry going, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit whispers in his ear, listen, go down to Gaza, go down to the desert. And Philip walks away from this revival he had instigated. I mean, this was everything he had hoped to do, and he walks away from it. And he sees this one guy in a chariot reading the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit says, there's your man. Go and join yourself to him. Right? Here's the one. And Philip left the 99. Philip left his own sense of calling and accomplishment and achievement for the one. And so when he was faithful in that, God blessed him. Took him spiritually to a whole other city and as he returned to his own area, he went through all the cities he passed through, preaching Jesus Christ and accomplishing his calling all the more. See, there's something about being faithful to the steps God takes, asks us to take. And for those of you who are being baptized today, are taking that next step in your journey, God will be faithful to bless you also. I believe that. So let's stand and pray together. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. Lord, uh, we've just poured over this idea of immersion. Lord, not only into water, but into Jesus. Not only baptism in water, but baptism or immersion in your Holy Spirit, in your presence, O oh God. So we're asking for that, for each one that's in this place, O oh God, because that's a step that never ends. Over and over, we see it in the book of Acts, and they were filled again as at the first. And they were filled again as at the first. Oh, God, you continued to come. That sozo encounters with your church over and over again, filling your church, renewing their purpose, oh, God, healing them up, in, empowering them, enabling them, rescuing them, oh, God. And so, Lord, we would ask for that today. Even for those who are not being water baptized, oh, God, they can partake once again of your presence. So we invite you to come. And would you, in particular, oh God, bless those who are being faithful to take the step of water baptism today. Would you look upon their obedience, oh God, and bless their lives for it. May they experience you in a way that they never even dreamed could possibly happen. May we see signs and wonders today, miracles, O oh God, profound things happening, healings and salvations, O oh God. 
Father, we ask you to take over Opeachy Point with your kingdom, with your presence, O oh God. Bless our time there. Bless our fellowship there, O oh God. With your presence, we ask. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen, amen and amen. All right, I'll see you around the, uh, around the grills, huh? <laughs>